everybody, and welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. I'm Kelly Reed, and it still feels weird to say her last name. <laughs> and then this time we have with us. Yo, I'm Raya Sunshine. I'm not telling you my last name. Y'all already, like a champ. already know it. Y'all, y'all already know it. If you, if you watch D4 it's on like stuff. It's right there on D4. <laughs> yeah, if you watch yes. uh, D4, then you already know her last name. So it doesn't even matter. Well, oh, well. Anyways, today we're going to be talking about Survivor. Yes, we're doing Survivor stories. I actually got something I wanted to ask you guys. Do you have Survivor stories for yourself? Ooh. Yes. Yes. I want to hear I mean, that. Like, keep it short. I keep do. Sweet, but I want to know. Tell me your deets. Did you um, almost die? Raya, you go first. Okay. So. so this one time I went out on a date with a guy. This is like getting real personal. I haven't told like really anybody this. Okay. But we went out to a hookah lounge and like I was still naive. I was like maybe 18. Okay. So they got me into the hookah lounge and then they were like, have you ever tried Xanax? And I was like, what? no. And they're like, whoa, that's a fun first date. Yeah, they're like, okay, well, here, take half a bar. And I was like, okay, I'm not saying I ever did this, but. Um, <laughs> no, this is a different. No, this is a different lifetime. Yeah. This so, is in it. This was, this was somewhere where this was legal. It was a darker right, time. This is a hypothetical situation. <laughs> right. May or may not have happened. Oh my God. So, hypothetically, he handed me a full bar. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Right. Okay. So I was like, oh, okay, that looks like a half of something. Hypothetically. And then I it's, went it's, in. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. So we go in. We're having fun. I was smoking from the hookah. And he, he gets drinks because he's much older than I am. Because mm-hmm. I like older men. Um, I start zoning out. And the next thing I remember is being at my house. Oh, my God. And I, I get up out of bed and I see him leaving. <gasps> like he, he was pulling out of my driveway oh, okay. and it was the next morning oh my god I have no memory of what happened I apparently drove home you drove home? yeah apparently because my car was in the driveway too what the hell? holy so I guess shit there, that's, that's a, a multiple layer of a surviving myself whatever that was and you have no idea what happened? no idea what happened in those hours oh my Yikes. god Jesus. That's terrifying. That's, that's crazy. Right? <laughs> Jesus. That's nuts. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, I've survived a lot of things. <laughs> I'm trying to decide which one I want to tell. I have been, I guess, roofied as well before, but my story ended up totally fine. My friends were there the whole time. Yeah. They told me everything that happened, and they were able to, like, get me to safety. But it was a stupid, scary situation. Because, like, it was at a convention, and I had been going to conventions at this point in time for, like, seven years, mm. and I've never had anything like this happen to me. And mm. it was it was at Dragon Con, actually. I was with people I knew, and the guy who ended up uh, drugging me was not someone I knew, but he knew people I knew, so I thought yeah, he was safe. Like a friend of a friend. He was also an off-duty police officer, so Whoa. I thought he was, like, a safe person. Right. No one's mm. safe, kids. No, no one, no one is safe. Even off-duty police officers do not take drinks from anybody, or or at least, or at least a drink you didn't witness seeing pour. But here's the thing: like, I didn't think about it because he had just gotten the drink from the bar, and like I should have realized this at the time because he picks up the drink, offers it to me, and it looked like it had just been handed to him. I thought, Uh, and so so like he he picks it up, asks if I want some, and that was like the last thing I remember. 
from my friend's account, outside of it being super scary, that I was acting like a crazy person and just, like, super out of it. And I was, like, super belligerent for some reason. I remember you talking about this. Yeah, and so this is where the story is kind of, kind of funny, is that I kept threatening people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds, and it's like, on brand. And so at one point, apparently these uh, these five dudes or however many dudes, uh, I heard them laughing, and apparently I thought they were laughing at me, and I started screaming at them and telling them how I was going to castrate them. And apparently they met me earlier in that night, and they go to my friend, and they go, she was so pleasant earlier. What happened? And so then I, like, go to the bathroom, and I told my friend I was sick, and I was, like, making myself throw up, which she thought was weird because I wasn't, like, naturally vomiting, and I kept saying, there's something wrong with me. Like, I have no memory of this at all. This is all, like, what people told me, or really my friend uh, Dorian told me. They were like, yeah, it was really strange. You were like consistently forcing yourself to throw up until there was just like nothing Nothing left but the whole time I kept being really bitchy and like demanding things of her I would be like looking super sad and like sick and had just thrown up they would be like do you want water or something and I'd go (laughs) yes obviously I want water you fucking peasant (laughs) and she'd be like okay like trying to be really nice and take care of me and at one point, I was wearing, like, an Attack on Titan cosplay, okay. and so I took the jacket off, the shirt off, because it was really hot, and I was Widowmaker the day before, so I still had purple paint on me. Uh, they noticed me, like, looking at myself, that there's purple paint, and they go, do you want to take a shower? Like, do you need to wash that off? And I apparently just stand up, put my arms out, and go, bathe me. <laughs> <laughs> We get in the shower that we were just in our underwear, right? Because they didn't feel comfortable, like... Undressing me. Completely undressing me. Right. They, like, stood in front of the shower to make sure the water, the cold water didn't hit me. Also, this person has a kid, so I guess they're, like, used to this. Right. (laughs) They have a daughter. And so, um, they turned on the water, and, like, a little bit of it apparently had splashed onto me, and I started screaming. No. And I just started screaming, and I'm just like, I don't want this, I don't want this, I want out of here, or something like that. And they turned off the water, and they said I demanded they go get me a towel. So they went and got me a towel, and then uh, I guess they dressed me in pajamas, and I went to bed, because all I remember is waking up in my friend Amy's pajamas, because they like specifically weren't mine, I was like, what the fuck? And my phone was completely dead, and it was, it literally felt like I was sitting at the bar to, like, waking up. Ooh. Like, there was nothing, nothing in between. And I have never had a night of drinking where, like, that happened. I've been blackout drunk before, but it's always had bits. Clips and pieces. Bits and pieces. Clips, bits and pieces, but there was just flat out nothing. And it really freaked me out, and I turned my phone on to see if I had messages from people, and I had to message the last people I remember being with. What happened to me? Like, I don't remember. Of course, my first concern is, oh, no, did I do something bad? Like, did I embarrass myself when really I should have been asking, did something happen to me? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's why I survived being roofied story. (laughs) All right. Dang, y'all. Mine is not blackout related actually uh you were there 
two years ago, my birthday, I decided I wanted to take a group whitewater rafting trip. Ooh. And so we had two rafts full of people. Okay. I had been rafting so many times. Like, it was... Hundreds of times. Yeah, like, well, maybe Thousands. not hundreds, but like... Well, yes. Like, so basically, basically Kelly a professional. used to be a river. Yeah. That's, that's how professional she was at rivers. Like, she was one. She yeah, exactly. One with the water. One with the water. Um, so, we're feeling comfortable. We decide we want... Uh, Sammy in our boat, even okay. though it puts us like an extra person, and we decide we want her in front with us. <laughs> so it is me, Sammy, and uh, Hunter's boyfriend, Kyle, uh, all at the front of this boat. I had told the guide that I was super comfortable with rafting, yeah. and then uh, Kyle was super comfortable with it too, so we were like, yeah, put us at the front, like, this is awesome. Um, and the guide decides, Good since for you, Kyle. everybody's really ready and pumped to do this, he's going to surf rapids. So for those of you oh, who no. don't know, it's, oh, no. it's when you go over a rapid and then you turn the boat around and you go into it like head first. Oh no. So you don't usually do that on class four rapids, but he was like, fuck it. He was like, it. fuck it. We're having a great time. Everybody's having a blast. Everyone's super okay with Everybody's water. super ha- okay with like what is happening. I was fine. Like everybody was having a good time. doesn't matter. Whatever. And so we start surfing this rapid, right? And all of a sudden I feel the boat tip forward with from the pressure of the water. And I feel water come underneath my butt and just carry me out of the boat. Like I didn't fall out or anything. It literally came out of the boat. It was just like carried me. It was like it was like Moana's now. Yeah, it Moana'd you. Yeah. (laughs) And I like I was I was in very clear state of mind. I was like Oh, had to fall out at some point. Like, I'd never fallen out in a rapid before. And I was just like, I know all my training. I'm perfectly fine. I'll just uh, stick my paddle up and wait for somebody to get me. And my first thought is like, okay, get up for water. But, like, you can't put your feet down because that could get stuck in the rocks and then you'd be, you know, drowned. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. So I'm like, okay, keep your legs up and keep your paddle up. And so I keep my legs up and I reach the paddle and then I try to, like, come up for air. And all of a sudden the water just slams me down before I can reach the surface. And I'm like... Okay, let's try this again. And tried it again. Like, slammed back down. And I throw my paddle up, and I'm, like, holding it there. And I had to, like, grip it, because this water is, like, rushing over me. I held on as long as I could. I felt my shoe fly off my foot, and the paddle just flies out of my hand. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) okay, what's next? There should be a rope. Somebody's going to throw me a rope. Like, that's the next step in this, is the paddle's gone, Nobody can get to me. Somebody's going to throw me a rope. So I'll just keep reaching for something until I can get it. And I'm reaching, and it feels like, <laughs> I think it felt like a full minute had gone by, and I was getting nothing. I'm just like, okay. The whole time just, she's underwater. The whole time I'm underwater. And I'm just like, okay, stay calm. Don't panic. You panic. You're going to drown. It's okay. It's all right. And then I couldn't breathe, obviously. And... I was like, okay, this is this is where I go. And I blacked out. And my body went limp. And that's what pushed me out of the water. And so as soon as I'm out of the water, my head is up. And I'm like gasping for air. And I see ahead of me a class fucking three rapid coming up. And I'm like, get to the fucking boat. And the boat is so far away. But I see my guide, like he had jumped out of the water, or out into the water and was like dragging the boat to me to try to get to me because I had finally come up. So I'm, like, trying to swim as fast as I can, but all my energy is gone because I was, like, just trying to get air that whole time. So I'm, like, fucking screaming for people by the time I'm there. They can barely get me in the boat in time. And then I just, like, 
laid there <laughs> for a while just trying to get air. But he, like, messed up his foot trying to get me and everything. Yeah, he was... cut his foot up. My perspective of that was I was in a boat next to them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in the boat. Basically, I remember looking over at them. They were on the right side of the river, which is where the more intense rapid was. Right. We were on the left side. And I looked back over at your boat, and I noticed that you're just not in it. And I'm like, where is Kelly? Why is she not in the boat? And I look immediately behind. Everyone in your boat is looking behind them, and there is just no sign of you anywhere. I didn't see the yellow of your life jacket. I didn't see a paddle. I didn't see any of the things that you described. I didn't see your hand reach out of the water. I saw nothing. Like, there was no sign of you. And I was just like, where did she go? Like, is she floating down the river? Like, where is she? And I just remember looking around. And then where I was looking... I eventually turned, like, my head all the way to the left, and then you were, like, way down there all of a sudden. It was so freaky. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that's a thing that happened. And I remember afterwards, the my boat specifically was full of a lot of first-timers, because I was yeah, like, it's Hunter, your first time, come with me, like, it's gonna be great. Hunter and, like, was so freaked out, dude. <laughs> yeah. She was so... So freaked out. Because I mean, like, a first time, and like the birthday girl almost fucking dies. And I was like, <laughs> so everybody was like dead quiet. Because we our boat, our boat used to be loud as fuck. We we're like, woo, yeehaw, woohoo. And then like it was dead quiet for like a while. And so I was just like, uh, I'm gonna get back up on this horse. So I like got back up and was like, hey. And like after every rapid, I'd just be like, still here, you know, like, <laughs> like just check in. Yeah, oh man, I know that really freaked Hunter out because she was so nervous to go in general. Yeah, I remember. I felt so bad. I was like, I felt so bad that I almost drowned. (laughs) Yeah. That's basically how that went. You should yeah. feel guilty that you almost died, yeah. Kelly. That a... That's what that. That's what that is. Yeah. No, I, like the guide even said, like that is worst case scenario. Like that's the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah. Like at that point, I went up to him and I was like, "Thank you so much for saving my life. Like you really helped me." And he was like, "I'm the one who almost killed you, so I feel like <laughs> that doesn't like really work. <laughs> I can't really accept this apology." Later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So uh, I guess we want to get into our. Uh, our story stories? Our story our stories, stories, not our personal stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, cool. we want to start with Ran because she's our guest. Oh, yeah. I have a really short one. There's not a lot to it. It's just very an intense story. And then it has a nice little happy ending at the end. Oh, okay, good. fun, fun. All, All right. right. I'm into that. So, this is the story of Maria Hernandez. You may not know her name, but you should. She was 29 years old when this all happened to her. This was right before a really prominent serial killer came to flourishing in... Did I say that word right? Fruition. Fruition. Not flourishing. Flourish. Very close. Flourishing. He came came to flourishing. And so this took place on March 17th in 1985. She lived in Rosemead, California. And she was coming home. So she pulls into her driveway, right? Okay. And she gets out of her car. She, I assume she locks the door because... Everyone like, locks their door when they get out of their car. Especially being a woman getting out of your car, you immediately lock your door. Right. Is what my instinct is. Yeah. Is like, I get out and I press the button. I don't use the clicker. Mm-hmm. Granted, this is 80, 85. They probably didn't. Did they have key fobs? Yeah, yeah. key fobs yet. <laughs> I don't know when key fobs were invented. wealthy. Maybe they're for Maybe wealthy people. people. Like how they had the giant phones in the cars for wealthy people at oh, the time. Yeah. Or if you're James <laughs> Bond. <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Continue. So she, she gets out of her car and she hears a noise behind her. So she turns around and sees a man standing, like, 
a couple feet away from her, and he doesn't say a word. He just lifts a gun and shoots her in the face. What? She goes down, right? Okay. This person's name is Richard Ramirez. Oh, fuck. Yes. Also known as the Night Stalker. So he goes in, and Maria had a roommate, Dale? I don't know how to say her name. It's D-A-Y-L-E. Dale. Dale? Yeah. Okay. Okay, Dale Okazaki. She's in, in the house. She's been home. He goes in and shoots her. Just dead. And when he comes back out, Maria's gone. Oh, huh? Mm. She had thrown her hands up in front of her face while still holding her car keys. Get no, out. get so out. The bullet hit her car keys and hits her right hand instead. And it didn't hit her face. It didn't hit her face. Holy shit. That's insane. That's some insane reflex. Right. She she just threw up her hands in defense and it, it like bounced off the keys. So she gets up and like crawls behind her car, sees him coming out, having just shot Dale, and he looks at her <gasps> and walks away. He saw her? He saw her. She saw him and, they, and he chose to walk away. Why? I don't know. Because he's like, shit, you earned it. Right, right. I shot you in the face. Maybe I'm seeing a ghost. So when she thinks she's safe, she runs inside and finds her her roommate dead. She calls the police. And years later, after he's been arrested, she testifies in court. You can actually read the, the, uh, the transcripts of the court proceedings. Because when she first, I remember reading this in the transcripts, was that she didn't think when the first drawing of Richard Ramirez was released that that was the person who shot her. Well, because that drawing was real goofy. Right, right. But then she gets invited to a... Uh, she comes in for a lineup, and she picks him out of a, of a lineup. So in court, she's sitting up on the witness uh, stand, and the prosecutor asks, is the person who shot you in, in the courtroom? And she said, yes, he's right there, and points directly at Richard Ramirez. And so he goes to jail. Yay! And that's, that's the happy awesome. And he's yeah. horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's... He's he, a scary dude. Is. Isn't he the dude that took, like, like, a whole community took him down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. where everybody was, like, out in the streets with their fucking pitchforks. Yeah. Like, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting this motherfucker. <laughs> I think it was, like, these two sons where, like, the father had seen him and they are like, oh, hell no. And yeah. they literally yeah. booked it after him. Yeah, and, then, and then, like, all everybody sees them running and everybody comes out of their home and, like, joins in on the fucking chase. Was That's he, so cool. Was <laughs> he one of the murderers that people considered a vampire did he like drink the victim's blood or something really weird like that or am i just am i getting him confused with someone else you're thinking of the 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 actual you're thinking of the vampire killer yeah the california vampire. Uh, the the one that would test doors yeah if the door was unlocked he would take that as you inviting him in yeah it was so funny oh that was a different vamp that was a different killer okay yeah i'm sorry Okay, you're right. I was confusing him with God, someone else. Get a new MO, guys. <laughs> yeah, <but that> is- <laughs> yeah, can we stop with this vampire business? Like, can we find we a it. new monster? Like, we get it. Like, we get it. That's so 90s. Let's see a Frankenstein. Like, yeah, yeah where's, where's the Frankenstein, Frankenstein killer? Yeah. Actually, that's Wait, horrifying. No, 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 no. Let's no, not do no, that. Mind. Actually, let's not do that. <laughs> so, let's anyway. not piece together a bunch of dead people. So that's that's even oh, worse. Oh, my God. Oh. Wait, did you hear about that? There was, like, this one company that was, like... <gasps> Um, it was like donations or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were like selling the body parts out and stuff. No, there was that story recently I remember reading where, um, oh fuck, 
I'm sorry. Like, I should have written this down. Yeah, so it's like this, it was like a, um, you know, like. This when person you're, was buying, they were buying body parts from some company. No, thank you. And they were trying to like piece a body together. To try yeah. to make a Yeah, and, and they that found was all part it. of the same story because it was this one, yeah. it was like this one place where it was like a, you know, if you're an organ donor, yeah, yeah, then yeah, your yeah. organs get collected, it goes to this like facility or whatever. And I guess there were people like in there who were doing shady ass shit where they were selling it to people. They were selling body parts. They were parts. like literally just had like buckets, like they didn't store it correctly. They just had like buckets of like arms and legs and yeah, shit. Yeah, this person and bought then, a bunch of body parts. It was like from attempting them. to put them together. Yeah. So Whoa. like that happened this year. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was gross. They found all of it in their garage. No! Yeah. yeah, it was really gross. Was it in one of the, like, sideways refrigerators that open up top? I, I like know. to think so, but honestly, I, 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 I like imagine think, it was just in buckets. I, I like to well, think Well, no, here's the thing. Those so bodies bad. have, like, formaldehyde and all of those right. chemicals in them, so they, like, were preserved to a certain point. So gotcha. they, I mean, they're crazy. They're buying body parts yeah. together. Yeah. Like, you're not thinking straight. In my head. I like to think the garage door opens and you just see a lab table with yeah. a draping across yeah. it. And you're like, yo, what the fuck is that? And, and then it's like real something moves and really? like an arm falls out yeah, on the side. Like, what yeah. I imagine is probably like more horrifying where it's just a normal ass garage and in like the corner you see a bucket of arms and then you see like <laughs> this picnic like fold up white tables. Yeah. It just has like blood and gross shit on it. Like that's what I imagine. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a very real like a, yeah it's a very real, it's a very real <laughs> image and i don't know what that says about me but <laughs> it means that you've heard a lot of these stories i mean you know <laughs> yeah no okay so i went through a couple different options before i finally settled on one and there was one i wanted to do but i decided i want to save it and I've decided we're doing a Stockholm Syndrome episode at some point. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because the other, the other story I had is way more of a Stockholm Syndrome than, like, a I Survive. Cool, yes. This is the story. Jennifer Aspenson. And she was abducted when she was 19 years old. And her story is fucking intense. Jesus Christ. So she was a nurse when she was 19. She had been late a few times, and they had threatened that they were going to fire her. So she had to take a bus to work because she didn't have a car. She was hungry, so she stopped in the convenience store next to the gas station to get, like, a snack. And literally, as she was in line paying, she saw her bus leave. And she was freaking out. She's just kind of freaking out, not really knowing what to do. Like, holy crap. Considering, like, going to a payphone or calling a taxi or something. When this guy pulls up and he goes, hey, like, you look really freaked out. Like, do you need a ride? And she goes... Uh, no, and her first instinct is, no, this is a stranger, you don't know him, don't get in his car, like, no, we're not doing this. So she tells him, no, that she's fine, and he starts to drive away. And then, you have your hand up, does that mean you have a question? Okay. (laughs) Did you say the year that this took place in? 1992. 1992. Ooh, right after all the 80s serial killers. Yeah, this story took place in 1992. I am pretty positive. I'm I'm double checking that, actually. Yeah, she had that built-up knowledge of... No, people who go in other yeah. people's cars are going to Yeah, die. yeah. We're not as dumb as we were in the, in the 80s. The 80s and the 70s. And the 70s, yeah. Especially the 50s. Yeah, no, that, that is really important to know what year this took place. It happened September 1992. Cool. Oh, wow. I was almost born. <laughs> I, I, I was born. We were born. We were both born. We were babs. We were little babs. Little babs. We were, we were crying and pooping ourselves. <laughs> yep. 
Like, almost, I mean, four years later. I mean, like, can you not with that? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> We get it. You're young. Okay. We, we get it. We get it. We're old. <laughs> Fine. There are so many people listening being like, I fucking hate them. They were born in 1992. <laughs> like, we're not even 30. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's get back. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. So, as he was driving away, she thought... If this guy was, like, an actual, like, creep or a threat, he would have, like, tried to force me he into the car. He would have gone it. after He just kind of was like, okay, let it go. So she chased the car down and was like, never mind, never mind. Like, I, I, I really need to get to work. I don't want to be fired. Oh, sweet baby, baby child. So she tells, him where, she tells him the hospital she works at. And so on the right there. And she also noticed that he's kind of smaller. He's, okay. like a, he's a skinny dude. And in her mind, she was like, I could, I could take, take him. him. I could take him. Yeah. That's what we all think. Yeah, like, oh, I could take him. Like, she's like, oh, I, I could take this guy. Right, like, I'm a 6'1 woman. So, like, I see a short guy and I'm like, yeah, I could, I could beat you. Except yeah. you'll find not the best mindset to have. Right. Because not everything is physical. Mary Vincent taught us this. Yep. What happened is, on the ride to work, he, you know, starts talking to her, asking, like, just really basic stuff, nothing too personal, like, like, what does she do? Oh, obviously, she's a nurse, she's wearing fucking scrubs and going to a goddamn hospital, small talk, and he goes, because she's a nurse, she's working super weird hours, so she's working, like, the night shift. Oh, no. So, like, it's early nighttime when this is happening, so she's gonna get off work late night, early morning, right? Yeah. And he goes, well, you know, maybe, like, tomorrow or something, like, we could go to breakfast or something when you're off work and whatever. Okay, and so, seems innocent. And, and she goes, in her mind, she had done this so many times before when she goes out, like, oh, these this guy seems nice enough, but I'm not actually interested. I'll just give them a fake phone number. Right? Oh, yeah, like, totally, that's fine. And she gave no. him a fake phone number. No. And he, she goes off to work at the end of her shift, which he had learned when that was in their conversation, he's back at the hospital and he's no. like super nice and goes, Hey, like, do you need a ride home? You know, I happen to be blah, blah, in the blah, area. happen to be in the area. I've all been that sitting stuff. here for four hours waiting <laughs> for you. Because the totally thing is, normal. I'm not completely convinced he did know when she got off work. That was a detail that seemed kind of glossed over. He was just there. So I assumed it was part of the conversation. She goes, okay, again, in her mind, she's like, if need be, like, take him, right? Yeah, I can find him. She gets in the car, and he starts driving, and at first everything is fine, and then it gets to points where she notices that he's going the wrong way. Also, an issue with this is that she should have thought of he would know where she lives if he drives her home. But, yeah. but here's the thing. It doesn't matter because she never makes it home. Well, she does, just not today. So That's one of the most mortifying things I think you could ever experience is getting in a car with someone and them going the wrong, wrong way. way. Yeah. Like, knowing where they're going wrong way. Not like, yeah. oh, like, oh left? Oh, no, I went right. My bad. Not like, like four hours later when you're, like, you took a nap in the car and all of a sudden you're in a different state. Right. Yeah. 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 So she notices her going the wrong way, and he goes, you know, the number you gave me was a wrong number. And he starts screaming at her, and she said that he just completely transformed. He was a completely different person all of a sudden. And he pulled out a gun, 
and oh, held it to her head no. and told her to lean forward, and he tied her up. He tied uh, her arms behind her back. While driving, or did they pull over? He had pulled over. Okay. I don't know why that mattered. I know time. you're a creep, but if you can drive and tie someone up at the same time, no like, one can deny that you got st- you got skills. You got skills. Oh you got God. skills. No, y'all, that's so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. Uh, oh have my. You met me? So um, so he drives her. So they live. Oh, I can't remember if it's Arizona or New Mexico, but that kind of landscape, like flat that desert, weird. yeah, essentially. I was wrong. California. Desert hot springs in well, California. Certain sections of California. Desert. Tomato. Desert area. Desert. It was You know what Southern, we're looking at. We're it looking was Southern at California holes. where deserts are. It was yeah, okay. So he drives her out to the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Like so far. He drives her so far from the road that the cars that drive by look like ants. Like that's how far away they are. Um, what he does is he gets a knife, he cuts off her bra, he cuts her clothes off. God. He cuts her bra off and uses it as a gag, right? And he cuts off her panties. And she said that the way he was doing it so easily, it was very clear he has done this before. This was not a first time situation where she was like, fuck, this guy has done this before. He knows what he's yeah. doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Which is another horrifying thing right, to realize. Like, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Cause, he's which he's is, still out. Yeah. yeah. It's like in the, the song Russian Roulette. Uh, he's here because in the line of the song, I'm playing against someone who's played before. Mm, and she yeah. explains, he's here because he never loses. Yeah. That's the only reason. Yeah. So for him, he's he, the only reason he's still able to do it with that skill is because... He's good at it. He's good at it and good at getting away with it. Yeah. He gets on top of her and assaults her. He sexually assaults her and he starts strangling her. And she kept going back and forth with, I can't die here. I can't die here. I can't do this. I'm too young. And then it gets to a point to where she's like, I, I want to die. And so it gets to a point where she said that everything was black and she just doesn't feel her body anymore. And that all of a sudden she just felt this super calm serene feeling wash over her and in her mind she was like I escaped it I'm out of it I'm dead like I have to be it's like a relief like she's happy to be dead and then all of a sudden she's like snapped back into it because he resuscitated her (gasps) because he wasn't done with her yet that motherfucker so he he killed her too quickly he brought her back she wasn't fully dead yet And so at that point, he starts nuzzling her neck and, like, kissing her. And he's like, tell me you love me. Like, tell me you love me. And she, like, looks at him and she's like, I love you. And he's like, I don't believe you. And hits her and, like, all of this stuff. And she's like, I don't fucking know what to do. do Like, I don't know what you want me to do here. Like, I told you and, like, I wasn't good enough. And, like, I don't know what to do. And he bites into her neck. And she said that it hurt because he, like, bit into her skin. But when he came back, he just looked like a monster. There was blood. <gasps> like, he had ripped off part of her neck with his teeth. He had ripped his skin off Ugh. and had the... blood just oh. coming off. And he had a little bit of her skin in his teeth. Oh, oh. Sorry, that's too graphic, but that's, yeah. Oh Leave it there. God. It doesn't belong in your mouth. He continuously assaults her. At that point, he forces her out of the car. 
And she gets out into the desert, and he has a gun to her. And at this point, she is like, I want to go back to that calm, serene feeling. And she starts telling him, she goes, please kill me. And he, like, doesn't know how to respond to that. He goes, what? What?" He just has this confused look on his face. And she goes, do it, you fucking coward. Kill me. I want you to kill me. Just end it. Do it. Do it. And she starts screaming at him to kill her. And he stops. And he doesn't kill her when it was very clearly that's what he was going to do and he doesn't know how to process this information he doesn't really get why she wants to die he's expecting her to beg for her life and so instead what he does is he puts her in the trunk of his car and starts to drive away and at that point she was just lying there going okay this is not what i expected and she thinks oh my god no he's gonna take me to his house and continue doing this and he's not gonna kill me and I don't know what to do because he's not gonna kill me okay well if he's not gonna kill me I have to escape what she does is she does everything she can and eventually gets her hands loose and she gets the rope off and she's like okay good she got it off next step she uh, rips up the carpet of the trunk and kind of waits for the car to feel like it's slowed down a little bit before popping it open and she jumps out of the car And she tries to flag down a car, and she's naked, obviously, blood down her neck, like, just looks horrifying. Probably really scratched up Like, probably all fucked up and, like... Jumped out of a car. Who knows? The first car sees her, and they immediately speed off. Of course. A fucking fucking coward. People are fucking assholes. And so then uh, she looks behind her and sees that he has pulled over and is now chasing after her, holding Um, a machete. Ugh. Right? That was new. Yeah, and he's holding a machete. He had a gun earlier. No, but now it's about pain. Oh. Gun is over too quick. Yeah, that was a detail I realized I accidentally glossed over. When he took her out into the desert, he had brought out a bag of knives. Oh. And I forgot to mention that point. Oh, sorry. He has a bag of knives. Okay. And that is a detail I should have said earlier. I'm sorry. So, um, he's chasing after her with a machete Yes, I don't understand why he didn't use the gun, but I don't know. He's fucking psycho. Right. So she flags down a truck. She literally runs in front of an oncoming truck in hopes that they just stop. Uh, the, the truck stops. They get her to help her, and at that point, he had turned around and ran back to his car, and he managed to get back in his car and escape, and they never found... Well, they did find him. They just didn't find him after that. They found him in the future due to other victims. Man, fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that so guy. So she goes to the police immediately, says everything she can, does everything she can to get this guy. Years later. Is this before the trunk? Well, obviously it would have to be. Before the trunk levers? Before, like the, yeah. like, pull it and, and the trunk yeah. opens? Well, you guys, you should know this. Newer cars... They have a lever on the inside of the trunk that you can pull so you can get out. And so. most of the times it's glow in the dark. Yeah. So if you're put in a trunk, you can open it yourself. Which is so out. fucked up that we okay. have to do that. You know what? But right. thank goodness, I guess. All right, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back a little bit. She, What she says in this article, I was trying to go back to the bag of knives because I knew there was a bag of knives. But since I'm telling the story from memory, it wasn't after he bit her and he opened the door and she was out in the desert... Um, she saw the bag of knives, and this is after she had, like, begged for her life, and 
she just had a complete panic and she she quotes I just thought hell no I might be dying today but I don't want to be cut up with knives so she started running at that point she said I just started running my biggest fear was being left out here in this desert with nobody to find me and she didn't get very far he stopped her and she said I couldn't think straight so I didn't know if I was shot or what all I know is I fell back and hit my head on the ground but then I started moving I remember looking at the sides of me and seeing the gravel going by me, and I realized he was pulling me through the desert by my hair. He pulled me through cactus, through rocks. I couldn't feel any of it. That's when he threw her into the The trunk trunk of the car. Jeez. Holy shit. She said the last thing she saw before the door slammed shut was a bird in the sky. It looked evil to me, she said. Everything looked evil. I didn't know if this had been the whole world all along or if it had just happened. At that point is when the twine she was tied up with just started miraculously popping off. She was able to, like, break... She broke it off. She hurt her own wrists in the process. I don't know if she broke her wrists, but she got the twine yeah, off. Yeah, fuck yeah. And did you say she was 19 when all She was 19 yeah. when all this happened. Holy, I couldn't even imagine doing so, that at 19. I couldn't okay. imagine doing that now. She said, yeah. I ripped the boot interior I apart. Would. I turned the latch and held the top of the trunk because I didn't want it to fly up. So she, like, held it kind of down. And she jumped out and ran. I think, don't look back, don't ever look back. But she looked back and he's chasing her down the road with a machete. She said, so I just ran. A car was coming towards me. It was a truck. I was spent. It could have run me over. But instead, it was two Marines and they stopped. I told them what happened. They had a pair of jeans that fit me perfectly. The Marines took Miss Ab- Aspenson to a petrol station in the nearest town about 20 minutes away, and the police were called. But the issue was no one believed her. How? Not even her own mother. Or what? Or the authorities, according to her. So it would be another five years until this guy was caught by the police in 1997. What did they think happened to her? In that time, uh, he murdered another three women. He confessed in detail to eight murders and the abduction and attack of Miss Aspenson. So he even, like, he brought her up without... Being prompted. Prompted. Like, he said, oh, there was one that got away. And, like, talked about her and he knew her first name. Ugh. Which is Jennifer, by the way. And he was like, yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer got away. So, holy shit. I I just can't believe people didn't fucking believe believe her. her. Yeah, like, how? Five years. Yeah. For five years, knowing something like that happened to She you. was the only victim that escaped. He had killed eight women and attacked nine, and she was the only one that escaped. And by the time he attacked her, he had already assaulted and killed four women. Jeez. Sickos, man. His last name is Erdiales, I think is how you say it. Whatever. He sucks. <laughs> he's a this piece guy. of shit. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. If you mispronounce was, his name, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. he uh, was convicted of three murders in the states of Indiana and Illinois and sentenced to death. So that's where he was initially, that's where he eventually got caught. The death penalty was later abolished in Indiana, and those on death row were sentenced to life without parole. So he didn't get the death penalty. Erdiales was extradited to the Orange County Jail in California in 2011. A trial for the murders of the other five women and the attack on Miss Aspenson is expected to start. It says this year. Let me see when this article was written. 2017. So her trial started in 2017 from an attack that happened in 1992. (sighs) (laughs) 
Yeah. That is 15 years. No. Oh, it's more than that. It's 25. Yeah, it's 20, it's been 24 years. America! 24 years. Get your shit together. 92 to 2017 is 24 years. Yep. So Just she told point. she told uh, in her interview that she will testify and push for the death penalty. She said she still carries emotional and psychological scars from the attack no and shit. often thinks about the eight women who were murdered. So in 2017, she returned to the scene of the crime with a friend, a chair, and a video camera. She demonstrated how to break free from restraints, then stared into the lens and told the full story about what happened to her in September 1992. Uh, she said, I want my viewers to be there with me in real time. I wanted them to hear everything in my own words without interruption. I wanted them to feel like they were experiencing it with me. I am not ashamed or embarrassed to be a human, so I do not edit myself. I thought people would appreciate the rawness of it. Wow. So. I kind of want to see that video. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story of Jennifer Aspen. <sighs> she's a badass. Yeah, she's a badass. Yeah. She, she got through broke it. broke ropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, just, she broke twine, which I, you know, grew up using twine to make jewelry and crap, and it's strong. not easy to break. Right. Yeah, you gotta whip even out that if, if you, Even if you have a knife, depending on how sharp it is, you, like, sometimes have to, like, saw through it. Woof! All right, Kelly, what's All right. yours? <laughs> uh-huh. All right, uh, so mine is actually a few survivors. Ooh. Ooh. Um, it's a group of survivors, um, and I'm about to tell you about... The Andes Expedition. I know. Cool. Okay, I don't think I do, actually. All right, well. Maybe once you get into it, I'm going to Maybe. Be like, oh, shit. It's going to be one of those things, I think, because this is kind of something that we would have heard of, but, you know, we weren't alive at the time, so we wouldn't have known that much about, probably. Like, it wasn't on it. the news when we were alive. Right. 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 But it's still something that I was talked about, and actually the place that I found all of my information is called um, alpineexpeditions.com or dot org or whatever and it's basically a place that takes you on tours on expeditions to these fucked up places where this fucked up shit happened so dark tourism dark tourism basically um and they had like the full story like the guy who apparently made the company like knew the survivors or whatever and like that's the whole spiel to get you to go on these tours holy crap (laughs) so we're gonna go on this tour i I guess yeah so we're gonna go on this fucking tour we're gonna go on this we're gonna bring a lot of fucking jackets though because this florida bitch is not ready for fucking mountains (laughs) like alpine oh i love mountains like the dry crisp cold air oh i love the mountains don't get me wrong but when they're covered in fucking snow no all right it's gotta be dry. If it's not dry, then like I fucking hate it. Like if I'm soaking through my jacket, like yeah. miserable. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So like what we're going through daily here. Um, <laughs> well, I'm okay with humidity and hotness. I'm not okay with humidity, humidity and, and cold. cold. It's a whole new experience. It's gross. That's disgusting. Because nowhere is safe. Don't go to Vancouver, Kelly, <laughs> and safe. you won't experience it. Okay. Well, noted. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to Vancouver. Sorry, guys. Um, so, on October 12, 1972, a plane uh, in Uruguay takes off going to San Diego, Chile. Um, it has 40 passengers and five crew members on board. Um, and most of the passengers were part of um, what's called the Old Christians Rugby Team. Um, so, I think they were, like, on their way to a tournament or something. But it's them, they're the team, and then their family and friends. Gotcha. Um, so it's a pretty close-knit group. The plan was to cover about 1,500 kilometers in roughly four hours. 
But the pilot and co-pilot were notified of poor weather conditions and decided to make a stop at a nearby airport. They had done this flight before. Not not the rugby team, Question. obviously, but the pilots. This is a privately chartered airplane? You know, I kind a- of assume that. I don't know really how it worked in the 70s, to be honest. Gotcha. But, like, it's a rugby team with their family right. and friends. Right. Going on this kind of intense plane ride because yeah. of what I'm about to explain. They're, they have to travel through a mountain pass to get to Chile. And the plane can only get 7,000 meters, but the highest peak along this mountain pass was around 7,000 meters. So um, the pilot and co-pilot decide that while they're stopped at this airport, making plans and whatever, waiting for the weather to get better, um, they are going to make a plan to go through an area that has lower peaks. And that's... Okay. The gist of it, which is a good plan. Responsible. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, October 13th, the weather clears up, and the pilot's like, it's a beautiful day for flying. I'm going to let my co-pilot take over, because he's still in training. And so he's going to fly over. He's giving updates to air transit control, um, but he's doing it using visibility. Okay. Um, I don't know what kind of tools are on board. I assume there had to be some kind. Yeah. Because it's a plane, <laughs> and that shit is intense. But he's using his visibility to tell air transit control where he is, where he's going. Yeah. Um, he's giving them, like, estimations of time that he should be there, that sort of thing. Which are, is normal. Right, that's, that's normal. with airports. I don't know if it's normal to use visibility, but it's also, it's normal for air transit control to get that information and be like, okay, well, they're pilots, they know what they're doing. Like, yeah, yeah. This must be mm-hmm. the information, and we'll then... We'll clear them whenever. So even though the time didn't exactly line up, they were accepting the information that they were being given by this co-pilot, and they clear them for landing. They say, like, start making your slow descent to um, 3,500 meters. However, during that descent... Oh, no. They were not clear. Oh, no. So... This is a survival story. This is a survival story. So around uh, 4,600 meters, the Fairchild, which is the name of the plane dips into the clouds and starts shaking, falling into strong air pockets. Oh, no. So the pilot orders uh, the passengers to fasten their seatbelts, and, let's see. Like, all 12 of them? Like, how many passengers are on the No, no, we got 40 passengers and five crew members. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I missed the number of passengers. (laughs) You got the whole rugby team and their friends and family. Yeah. Okay, I missed the friends and family part. I thought it was just the rugby team. Yeah, okay. We got the rugby team and their friends and their family all these people who basically know each other except these five crew members. Oh, my God. Um, so the pilot orders the passengers to fasten their seatbelts, and then in that moment, the plane enters a strong downward current and is violently dropped several hundred meters. Oh, no, no, no. Inside the plane, there was this festive and relaxed mood. Like, everybody's hanging out, having a good yeah. time. They're all hanging out with their friends, Rugby their family, team. their team, you know. Real but it changed of fear and anxiety real fucking quick. Yeah. Because uh, they... and. Like, they feel this thing drop out of the sky. Yeah, it's no longer sky. just like... It's oh, no longer like, oh, oh, turbulence, it's, oh, it's boom! It's and then, long enough for you to, in your head, rationalize, the plane is no longer going straight. Yes, correct. It's, yeah. it is going, it's going down. I was coming home from Seattle one time, and I was on a plane, and, like, it wasn't several hundred feet that you dropped. But it was like, uh, we hit an air pocket because Georgia hates people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they beat this box that fucking hit. Hell yeah. As proven by their roads. It, Georgia know. and Australia are pretty similar. Australia's more aggressively trying to kill everyone there. 
Which you gotta respect. So but much. we probably dropped like maybe ten feet. Mm-hmm. It was it was long enough for me to go, ah, we're falling, and then stop. <laughs> But it was the scariest feeling I've ever felt. But you felt. felt like the drop. Yeah, the like full on like, it was long enough for me to go, we are falling. And then it stopped. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so imagine that. But it times keeps 10. going. <laughs> oh my God. Well, okay, actually times like several tens because Oof. it's several hundred feet. So they're going along. All of a sudden, there's a second fall. No. The passengers next to the windows were shocked to see that the plane had fallen beneath the clouds. <laughs> And was passing only a few meters away from the mountain peaks. <gasps> yeah. Can you think of a worse place <laughs> to fall? <laughs> to fucking fall! The ocean. Swamp. No, you have fucking lifeboats. No, the middle of the ocean. No, swamp. Swamp? swamp? Oh, yeah. crocs. Landing in, into a swamp. Just in the middle of a giant swamp. No, you know what? I actually have a survival story I debated talking about. But it was too short of a story. Was the girl who, uh, she was the lone survivor of a plane crash in the Amazon. Oof. <gasps> Oof. Okay. Um, so, uh, they're a few meters away from the mountain peaks. And they all hear the roar of the engines as the pilots are desperately trying to get this plane back up. The plane rose a little bit, but it was already too late. Within seconds, they heard the clamor and the horrifying blow to the right wing of the plane crashing against the mountain. Um, the wing splintered off and was hurled backwards, cutting into the fuselage and separating the tail of the Fairchild from the rest of the plane. In the crash, the steward, the navigator, and three young seat-belted passengers were pulled out through the gaping hole in the back of the plane and fell to their deaths. Oh, hell not, son. They, you see your friends getting thrown out through this hole, and then all of a sudden there's another impact, and the left wing is taken off. So it's missing its wings and part of the fuselage and the tail. The remainder of the plane just slides down a snow-covered mountain at a great speed. And those who remember the moment had thought that they would crash against the rocks or fall into an abyss. But fortunate for them, um, they slide into a valley where it slowed down in speed due to the friction of the plane against the thick snow layer. Passengers were thrown forward, colliding against one another and knocking down the partition of the baggage. They didn't have their seatbelts on? No, they did. But they were just... Like the, seats, the impact, yeah. The seats went forward anyway. Yeah. Okay. And they just throw are thrown through the partition. Um, so of the forty five passengers, um, we now have twenty seven survivors. Um, Woo! I will say that I think plane crashes and like natural disasters like this are more scary than like a serial killer, because at least with a serial killer you can fight back, mm-hmm. or you can run or do something. There's that chance. Yeah. But with. <coughs> Okay, Snickers bar. But, um, <laughs> Snickers attacks. Yeah, she was like, she was like, no, no, stop talking. Uh, but with oh, this, like, seeing your friends get thrown from a plane, you're like, I literally can't do anything about this. Yeah. You're helpless against it. Yeah. So we have 27 survivors. They're all, they're all like horrified, shaking, like going through, God knows what. Like, I have no idea what right. runs through your mind at that point. You're just stuck in the fucking Alpine mountains. But there was a rugby captain uh, named Marcelo Perez, and he organized efforts over the next few days uh, to clear the plane of debris, to melt water or melt snow into water um, in order to avoid dehydration. How does he eat? What a hunk! Um, and and devise ways of. Uh, this is why he's a captain. Yeah. This is exactly why he's rugby captain. This is all the things you need to know to get into rugby. To um, get into rugby, <laughs> this is all you need to know. <laughs> 
Um, and then he's also trying to come up with ways to survive in the sub-zero temperatures at night. Right. Because you're at the top of a goddamn mountain. And they probably were going, they were going from Uruguay to Chile. Yeah. So they probably weren't dressed or packed. No, not for, not for, for this. Not for the Alpines, yeah. maybe for Chile. Because they were planning on hanging out in the mountains. That's not what they came right, for. Yeah. So they had a small amount of food and wine. And they just rationed the hell out of them, thinking, like, okay, rescue is definitely going to come. We just have to ration this until we get there. So they're having, like, bare minimum, just enough to get through. But no rescue came. And then after 10 days, they heard off the small um, transistor radio that they had found in the plane that the search had been called off. They had said that after 10 days, there's no way that somebody could have survived in in these conditions. Holy shit. So they heard that call come in, but they couldn't respond to it? So, yeah, no, they, it's like listening in. You can hear oh, it, but you can't. That is the worst. Yeah. Holy shit. Hearing the people that were going to rescue you. And you're say, screaming at the radio, no, no, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Holy shit. Oh, but wait. Oh, no. But wait, there's more. Are there bears? Is there a yeti? <laughs> How would you call it? Same way, way. <laughs> so, um, on the 16th day. The 16th, oh my god. Six, 16th? Six, six days, days after it's been called six off. Six days later. I don't even like camping. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> no. Being out in the fucking mountains for 16 days. I can't even being outside be. for two. You know what I probably would have done at that point? I would have probably dug, I would have, okay, so I read this book about dogs when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And like, snow dogs, when they want to keep warm, they like dig into the they snow. They burrow into the snow, yeah. That's probably what I would have done at that point. And then I would have been like, this is where I die now, I'm going to go to sleep. Like, bye. And now I'm going to go die in my sleep in the cold. Because after a while, your body just shuts down. You don't yeah. feel it anymore. Yeah. You just die. You're just like, this is it. Yeah, you just yeah, go to sleep. Yep. So, 16th day, the survivors had basically fallen into a routine. Um, they would clean the interior of the fuselage. They would um, remove blankets and clothes to air Wait, them out in the sun. Why would they clean the interior of the fuselage? To keep it empty of snow so that they had a safe place to, like, uh, go to cover. Oh. Yeah. Okay. They would remove blankets and clothes to air them out in the sun. And uh, afterwards, they arranged the seats outside from the remainder of the plane. And just sat and watched the skies, always hoping to see, like, something come overhead, like, someone to see them, or That's just amazing. anything moving. They um, built, like, a, a colony. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. They were just, I like, mean, how do we you get through this? Alive. You, yeah. you have a small community, and you fucking work through it. Yeah. So, apart from the cleaning team, the others kept busy melting down snow for drinking water, sewing blankets out of their seat covers. Oh. Um, how did they get the needles for sewing and thread? Probably shrapnel. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I can't All imagine right. they're, they're, like, nice blankets. Maybe someone had a sewing kit on them. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Hey, we don't know. Someone's mom. We don't know what life was like in your life. Oh, yeah. Because their family right. was It was someone's mom. It was their friends and family. If it was me, it was a full-blown sewing machine, but it needs power. So. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, then they're, like, cutting and making uh, preparations for their rations. And as they're trying to fall asleep, they hear two terrifying roaring sounds. Oh, no. And in a matter of seconds... Tons of snow comes tearing down into their um, area, into this makeshift wall that they had made um, to prepare, or they prepared daily to close uh, the opening of the fuselage. So, like, they were trying to keep this thing safe, and they would build up this makeshift wall, and all of a sudden, you see an avalanche of snow just come straight for it. What the fuck caused an avalanche? Avalanche. Who knows? 
Um, so in seconds, they're covered in over a meter of snow. What? No. I could not Mm-mm. imagine. No. Like, um, I can't rationalize that in my head. Like, that I, actually I, I, seeing, I, it's like just, you see this wall of snow. Just yeah, it's like a movie. Like, after you've survived 16 days. Okay, so I really want to know the science behind snow and climbing out of it. Because the thing is, is in my mind, I'm like, snow, you can just climb on out of it. it, And then I'm also like, snow, you could sink down into it. And I feel like it just really depends on the consistency of the snow and the thickness. Like, if it's really thick, you have a better chance to get out of it because you can actually get on it. Right, you can step up. If it's powdery Or if it's so thick that you can't breathe underneath it. That's the other issue is, like, if it's too thick, you're stuck. If it's too light, like, you'll fall through. Like, God. Okay. So so many possibilities. So in this avalanche, um, eight more people, including our boy Perez, um... No. Had died. No, Perez, you are a golden light in the shadow of darkness. So now we're down to 19, guys. Damn. Um, approximately one hour later, um, before they had a chance to get new rest, used to this new tragedy, another avalanche comes. You're lying. I'm not fucking lying. <laughs> um, this one was actually going to be more intense than the first, but because of the speed and the fury, it passed over the fuselage and no snow made its way inside. Um, so they were actually able to get through that one a little easier. The second avalanche, though, completely covered the fuselage with a thick layer of snow. Um, and after the avalanche, the remaining survivors were buried alive um, in the fuselage for three days. Um, it took survivors nearly eight days. Like, after they had gone through, they were literally just, like, waiting to hear, like, cries or murmurs or moving or anything to try and, like, dig people out. So it takes them eight days. Let's see. Eight days to take out all the dead bodies and to clean the plane. Um, the snow had turned to ice, and tools had uh, to be improvised to break through the ice to get back to all these supplies that they had made. Um, in the meantime, there was only one way to survive, and that was to eat the dead bodies from the avalanche. What? That was it. They all, that's all they had. Their, their rations were gone now. Anything that they had left was covered in ice. We did it, bitches. They <laughs> ate the dead bodies. Woo! No. I don't know if you were listening. No, we were hype about bro winning. <laughs> she just announced they had to eat the dead bodies to survive the avalanche. And you're like, we did it, bitches. <laughs> 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 I was right after. I was like, and they resort to cannibalism. We did it, bitches. <laughs> oh, no. So they started eating dead bodies after 24 days. Right. Okay. Of their loved ones. Their dead loved ones. Their dead loved ones. Like grab <laughs> before it kicks up again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Are y'all fans called cornflakes? No, but, but that's they so should cute. be. <laughs> Wait, who's saying cornflakes? Bob said corn for the cornflakes. Yeah! <laughs> they have the- a fan name, Yay! I guess. That sounds weird. It's- I love it. It's That's blood so for the blood cute. god, skulls for the skull throne, and corn for the corn flakes. <laughs> Love it. All right, so everyone's dead. Um, oh uh, except for like what twelve people? Jesus. No, yeah. Okay, so we're down. Uh, I don't know how many died in the second avalanche. Um, it didn't go into that, but um, uh, I know. No, wait, I do know. So three more people died in the second avalanche. Um, so it took them eight days to uh, clean it out, um, pull out all the dead bodies. 
And that's when they start, start eating, eating the dead bodies. And keep in mind, these aren't just 40 random passengers. Right. It's... These are 40, or, well, at this point, there's 19. I, I do have a sick thought, though. What is that? Did they eat the five crew members first? Probably. Well, it, dep- it depends on if they're dead or not. Right. I would well, assume that you go for the ones that you depends, don't know that well. Yeah. It depends on probably how dead they are, because the fresher yeah. the dead body, the right. more okay it is to eat. Right? I don't know. Even for me, though, like I feel like no, it's I been would been eat. It's been preserved in the snow. It's yeah. actually like an outdoor freezer. Yeah, basically. So you, you really can't go wrong with your choices. And I'm telling you, like after 24 days, <laughs> those legs are going to start looking way tastier than they already are. And you know wow. what they say. Don't look at my legs like that when you say that, Kelly. <laughs> you know what they say, though? Thick thighs save lives. Thick thighs save lives! <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking awful. dead with you! Awful, Kelly. Oh my god! <laughs> Hashtag thick thighs save lives. I will never be able to say that ever again without thinking of that. Can we have that on a t shirt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> lies and it's just a severed thing. And like everyone's like I fucking hate you you monster. You're like trying to profit off of these dead people and we're just like yeah yeah. <laughs> we're sorry. <laughs> Alright. Oh my god. Okay continue. Okay. I can't with you. But that was amazing. That <laughs> I'm going to hell. Ah, oh, you've never been so horrified and so blessed to have me in your life. Um, well, to be fair, we make jokes because if we were in the same situation, we would have to do the same yeah. thing. Yeah, honestly, so if I was Kelly, if you were dead and I was eating your legs, I would literally be like, thick thighs save lives. Yeah, right. and you'd be crying <laughs> while you did it. I'd be like, she was right. this is what she would have wanted. This is what she would have wanted. And from heaven, I'm just like, Finger guns. <laughs> You're like, hey. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> you know, that's bold of you to assume that you're in heaven, Kelly. <laughs> hey, I think it's a, our, hey, our heaven is really up to us. So, <laughs> okay. Maybe that's wherever fair. I am, it's great. <laughs> wherever that may be. Oh, it's a party in hell, bitches. The remaining survivors, I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta regroup. Um, the remaining survivors um, knew that there was no way they were going to make it through if this happened again. Um, so they start doing this thing where they send out expeditioners, um, where they basically find the people who are the least injured and are the most physically sound um, in order to go out and traverse these alpine mountains <laughs> um, and hike out there to try and find help. They had tried before. They had tried when they originally landed but it was like way too treacherous and there was just no way so they ultimately decide that not all of them can go that they can only send the most sound um they send out Parado and and Canessa and they're chosen taking their physical abilities to the limit they walked for nine days down these mountains um to try and find help um these people have been stuck in these mountains for over a month now yeah holy shit um, at last they start to see that the snow, uh, was getting thinner and they could see bits of vis- vegetation. So they're getting hope, you know, they're getting like refueled, like fuck, we're almost there. Then they come apart on the 10th, or on the 10th day, they come to, um, someone at a valley on the, cro- uh, like on the other side of a river. Um, they see three men on horseback. 
and they start screaming for help. They can't make out anything that they're saying or the roaring of the river. Yeah. Um, but the rider does see them and he sees the shape that they're in and he just, the one word that they can make out is tomorrow. So these guys wait <clears throat> and the next day the rider does come back. He returns with two more men and he throws a note to the other side of the river um, that said, I will send a, I've sent a man who will arrive there soon. Um, and Parado searched his clothing to find something to write with, finding only some lipstick that they had been using as lip protector. He had gestured to the man um, who understood the signals um, and wrapped a ballpoint pen with another stone and a handkerchief to toss across the river. Parado wrote a message, um, added SOS with the lipstick and hurled it to him. And this is what it said. <clears throat> I do have it. I come from a plane that fell in the mountains. I'm Uruguayan. We have been walking for 10 days. I have a wounded friend up there. In the plane, there are still 14 injured people. We have to get out from here quickly, and we don't know how. We don't have any food. We are weak. When are you going to come fetch us? Please, we cannot even walk. Where are we? SOS. These men are actually, they send out military men the next day. They come and get them. They bring them um, to the other side of the river. They're able to get treatment. They're able to get food, able to get beds. Um, and they've told them all about the people that are up there on the mountain who, in the meantime, are just sitting there for 10 days, just like not trying, knowing not knowing what's going on because there's no way that they can have any contact at all. Um, they're just like listening and praying and hoping. And all of a sudden over the radio, they hear that, they're, they that there might be survivors in the mountains and that they have found two people from the wreckage and uh, help is coming. And so... Over the next couple days, helicopters are flown in, and these survivors are able to be pulled out from the mountains. Holy shit. Fuck. So 16 of the 45 people survived. I could not have just sat there that long. Like, there was no way. I feel like, I can't help but feel like I would have been like, nope, I'm, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta walk this out. Like, well, that's what I mean. That's what they tried to do several times. Yeah. And it was just, it was just too treacherous. And like, unless you were of sound body Physical and mind. Body shape, yeah, yeah. Like you that's couldn't insane. do it. That's fucking. Yes! I mean, have you seen those really scary videos of like bikers and hikers that go on these like super fucking crazy, yes. like tiny hikes, mm -hmm. like through the, the, the mountains. GoPro? Yeah. Yeah. That I they're have. like barely, that's, that's basically what it's like. So. That's fucking nuts. The only scary wilderness thing that ever happened to me was in the mountains in the snow. And I was a kid, I think, I want to say nine, maybe ten. But uh, my family and I, we'd always go skiing every winter. My dad is huge on winter sports. So we love skiing. Very shocked we never lived in an area where <laughs> this was a regular thing, but yeah. whatever. Uh, they used to put me in a ski school so that my family could go do whatever they wanted and not worry about me. Solid excuse. I, at solid. one point, yeah, solid excuse. I always liked being separated from the group. I don't know why. I really enjoyed that level of independence of being alone in the, the wilderness, danger, yeah. apparently. I don't know. Or I'd have, like, a friend and we'd, like, lag behind. Because if we went too far ahead, we'd be yelled at. And at one point, I veered too close to the edge of the, uh, slope where all the trees were. No! And there was, like, a pocket of snow where it looked like it was part of but the run, powdery. but it was powder, and I just fell through, like, seven feet Oof. or something like that. Like, it was enough for me to not be able to reach up and pull myself up. I was too short. 
because I was probably five feet at the time. And so I had my skis and like I was fine. I was stopped. I was stopped. I didn't hit any of the trees and I wasn't continuously falling and I didn't hurt. I didn't break anything or hurt any part of my body, but I just had no way to get up. And I was the last one and there was nobody there and I had to just kind of stand there and like yell for someone to come by and help me out. And so this couple came by and they heard me yelling and they stopped over and they like pulled me up. I had to take my skis off first. They pulled me up and then like we reached out and were able to get the skis. And then I caught back up with the group and they were like, oh, what happened? And I was like, oh, I fell. And they're like, okay, and continued on. <laughs> but anyway, see here. But on. now whenever I ski or snowboard ever since then, I get like hella paranoid at the edge of runs, like where the trees are. Like I always, I hug the mountain as hard as I can because it just kind of freaks me out because, you know, that could happen again and I could just fall into a tree or... You know, or a powder patch. And I've skied a lot of slopes. Let's see, the hardest I've ever been able to successfully do is like a double black diamond. I don't, and the thing is, and I probably could do a triple. I just don't want to right. because it's not fun. <laughs> it's it's just stressful. like it's just stressful. It's just me being like, okay, and then we do this, and then we're gonna get through this, mm-hmm. and then like all of this other crap. Me driving in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> But mountains are fucking scary. Yeah. And, like, I get scared every time on the fucking ski lift. Like, Dude, I, I get scared driving on that shit. Like, you know my, you know where my dad lives. Yeah. You've gone up He lives there. in the mountains. He yeah. lives literally you know, up, like, the top of the mountain. So you have mountains. to, like, go through these, like, curves and stuff no, to get up there. And mm-hmm. you can always see, like, on the right or left side of you that there's just, like, a slope. Just driving around. is more nerve-wracking, yeah. in my opinion. I'm incredibly afraid of heights. And the closest I've ever been to, like falling or anything like that is two times one when we were exploring like woods behind someone's house and we came up to like this path of like it looked like cars had been driving on it it was just in the middle of the woods it was Hmm. fucking weird behind some guy's house in the middle of the woods and we like walked across it and we looked down and there was just a canyon like a ravine like going all the way down to like a river and we were just like oh okay, we're going to get away from this edge because no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain. I almost fell off Stone Mountain. You almost fell off Stone Mountain. Yeah, we were on a field trip with a Christian school that I was going to, and we were on, uh, we were trying to find that path that leads up the back of Stone Mountain, that really nice, like, walking up path. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't live in Georgia, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) We had this giant rock that we call a mountain. Yeah. It's (laughs) not actually a mountain. It has some, like, random ass uh confederate confederate dudes from the civil war carved into it and uh i like to theorize it's an enormous geode yes and just crack it open i want to crack it open and i want to go inside but we were climbing up the the thing and we were where the civil war reenactments and laser show happened yeah so we just walked around until we started finding ways you can start walking up oh no that's not at all yeah no that's not at all what you're supposed to do where you walk up oh my god no there's literally trails flagged for you to go (laughs) right and it was just a bunch of kids walking up some mountain and there was pine straw everywhere because for some reason, trees survive on Stone Mountain. I still don't understand that. <laughs> but there was pine straw everywhere, and I was walking, and I never forget this to this day. Um, I was walking I was walking first, because I'm a Leo. I will always be first. <laughs> I love that reason. Fight me. Fight me. <laughs> Fight me. So I'm walking, and my foot slips. I, 
I wear really slippery shoes because boat shoes are the best. Because you're an idiot. You're going hiking right now. (laughs) Yeah, listen, though. (laughs) But I was walking, and my foot slips, and I start falling backwards. And I I remember this because it happened like a movie. This guy that was in my class steps up and catches me before I actually start falling back. And then you guys fell in love. No, and then we went our separate ways, and I was like, don't ever touch me again. No! But yeah, that was the closest time I ever, wilderness-wise. Wilderness-wise. That's funny. Man, nature's scary. That's what we learned today. That is scary. I like how we all have our own wilderness scary moments. Yeah. They all involve falling. Um, (laughs) Or drowning. Or, well, like falling into water. Yeah, that's fair. Well, but I didn't fall. Or being swept into. I got swept into. Um, So one last thing I want to say before we wrap up, though, was the plane crash thing that there was a story I considered going into, but I thought... I didn't have enough detail. There's this website I used to go to all the time back in college called Badass of the Week. And every week there was a new big old story about some random ass person you probably never fucking heard of who's a total badass in their story. And one week I was reading it and it was this girl who was a teenager who survived a plane crash in the Amazon. But luckily for her, she basically was Laura Croft because her family was like zoologist, archaeology oh, people. What the I fuck? know exactly. Yeah, what yeah, about. and they were like going on a trip to the Amazon, but the plane crashed, and so everyone died except her. And she woke up in the plane. She had broken ribs, a broken arm, and she had to. She found the first aid kit, patched herself up, realized she couldn't stay in the same place because luckily. Because her family knows all about zoology and have studied the Amazon, she knows about all of the dangers of the fucking Amazon. So she was like, I have to keep moving because something's going to hunt me and kill me. So she, like, trucks through and basically her first thing is I have to find water, right? Right. So she walks for, like, a day and then finds running water, finds the river, and starts walking alongside it, and she goes, "If as long as there's water, I'll eventually run into a civilization, because every civilization needs water." Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know how this bitch survives this. There's so much goddamn fucked up shit in the Amazon, but it's probably because she she never stopped moving. Like she always, she didn't stop to sleep or anything. She completely exhausted herself. She just for sure. three days, and it got to a point to where um, the foliage of the of the uh, jungle was too much to fall along the river. She had to get into the water. Uh, no. And go along the side of the water, which there is so many fucked up things in the fucking Amazon water. Yeah. Um, forget crocodiles and on snakes and all that shit. Like they're, they're actual dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> there's like parasites and bugs yeah. and shit that will get into you and, and leeches and all things kinds people have never of shit. Even Right? I remember this article specifically mentioning that fucked up thing that goes up your urethra and all that ah! shit. Oh, yeah. That. With all the spiky things and like, ew, ah! ew, 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 But anyways, she eventually like ran into, I want to say it was a fisherman or someone on a boat or something and was able to get help. Damn. But yeah, this, this teenage girl survived three days Badass. injured in the Amazon. That's nuts. Yeah. Badass. All right. Well, that's a cool... All right, so we're gonna so we're gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, typically, we do our streams on my channel Twitch.tv/TheTigerWizard, and keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Woo! Come on.
Andrea, give us Deuces. a keep it creepy. Keep it creepy, bitches. Boom! Yeah! <laughs> Music by freestockmusic.com.